And good afternoon, and welcome to this special time-slotted edition of the Touring Fan Live. My name is Anthony Krizowitz, and today I have the absolute pleasure and honor of speaking to Kevin Martin, the lead singer of Candlebox, at 1 o'clock in the afternoon for the first <laughs> ever, I guess it's usually called an evening with, we'll call it an afternoon with Kevin Martin. Kevin, how are you doing? Okay. Uh, I'm good. I like that song. Who's that band? Stereo Embers. Stereo Embers, yes. Yeah, so Stereo Embers is a band out of Seattle, Washington. Um, they've done a lot with like Mike McCready and they've done stuff with, you know, a bunch of stuff on the West coast. Yeah. Stereo Embers, great band out of the West coast of Seattle, Washington. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I Figures. think you're fam familiar with the area. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's, it's, um, it's such weird times, right? Like, you know, I was talking to you a little bit before this about like how the timing of music coming out is like kind of been slowed down by the pandemic and you know the reason i reached out to you was you know you put this new single out um that i i, I mean it's been on shuffle consistently on my on my uh, on itunes for me you know as a musician right now with everything going on you know how have you had to overcome being a musician during the pandemic <laughs> Um, <clears throat> overcome, I don't think I've overcome it. Um, I think like most musicians, it's just, um, this is the longest any of us have ever been home, uh, for any, any type of, you know, uh, successful touring act such, you know, I mean, this is called, uh, the touring fan, um, as a touring band, um, you know, generally the longest any band guy stays home from not playing shows is maybe nine months, you know, um, and that's easy because you're making a record. Um, and even then, you know, we're all we're all touring because that's where the money's at now. Nobody's making, you know, money selling records. So um, I, I I think the, the biggest thing has been how to be in your own skin, um, you know, alone or with your family for a year straight. Um, you know, it's um, musicians. Most musicians that I know um, are just um, j just not good you know, by themselves. I mean, you know, you gotta be some sort of, you know, there's, there's a certain amount of insecurity that happens that allows you to pop up on stage and play, you know, songs for a hundred people or a hundred thousand. Um, you know, that instant gratification is something that uh, I think we all desire, um, not just musicians, but people in general. And when you don't get that for a year, you have to be comfortable in your own skin. And I think that's, that's been the biggest challenge. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll always be the musician. I'll always, you know, play guitar and, and sit around and, you know, maybe do a, a, a live stream on Instagram or something like that. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just really been, you know, who am I? And, um, and am I a good husband and am I a good father? Well, wow, that's, that's pretty deep. I mean, cause I guess, yeah, being on the road so much and then being at home and then having to have these realizations, that's a, uh... Now, let me ask you this with you being home so much, is that going to affect like cause most musicians, as, as we know, and I've looked over your previous scheduling, you tour very heavily. Are you going to continue to tour pretty heavily once gates are open or is it be, or is that new kind of slow down? I'm at home with my family. I mean, does that affect anything going forward for you? Yeah. <laughs> um, it'll be like the parting of the red sea. Um, I think you're going to see a flood of concerts. Um, as, and, and you're, you know, not only with Candlebox, but I think every band, um, <clears throat> we're really going to probably oversaturate the market. But I think if people are so starved for 
that experience that um, it doesn't matter who's playing. Every show is going to be busy. Um, you know, I, for us, the plan is to go out for 12 weeks straight. Um, we've lost, you know, a year's worth of touring income. Um, and if we were to tour the way we, we had previously, I would never be able to uh, pay back these PPP loans that I've gotten. Um, you know, I've got to, I, I protect my band guys um, with payroll. Sure. Um, so, um, you know, I, I didn't want to leave them out, you know, in, in, the, uh, in the mud. And, and, um, and it's, it's something that I had to do. So I have to, you know, I've had that discussion with my wife and my son as well. You know, I'm going to be gone for three months straight. Um, you're not used to that. I'm not used to it. Uh, I usually go out for two weeks, come home for a month and a half, go out for two weeks, come home for a month, you know. Um, but this is really the only way to financially um, – repair the damage that's been done for Candlebox, but you know, from, from not touring. Dude, I, I respect the fuck out of you for the fact that you just basically said, Hey, listen, I had to take, I, I didn't want to put my guys in a situation that says, Hey, figure shit out on your own that I, you took in this PPP loan, you're paying them back, but they're like, you know what? You talk to your family, listen, we're going to, we're going to have this shitty situation for three months where I'm going to be out on the road, but I, I'm doing this for the best of everybody. I, dude, that's, uh, a total respect for you. I, I can't, I mean, absolutely amazing. Well, thank you. I mean, I, I, um, you know, I, it's kind of the, the person that I've always been, um, you know, I, I, I get questions all the time about, you know, what, what happened with, you know, Candlebox and, you know, why did the band break up in 1999? And, you know, why, why are you the only remaining member now? Uh, you know, not everybody is cut from the same cloth. Not everybody looks at, um, their responsibilities as a human being the same way. And that's not to say that Barty and Scott and Pete aren't great humans because they are. Um, I love those guys. You know, um, they are my brothers. Uh, I was looking forward to playing these two shows with them last year in Seattle for the Lucy uh, 25th anniversary. But it, there was always something that was different about us um, as, as individuals when it came to our responsibilities to not only one another, but to um, our fans and, and to our families. And, you know, I, I was raised by a, a very hardworking father and a very hardworking mother um, that, that taught me very early on that I'm, I'm only as good as the company I keep. And, um, and I want to keep really good company, which, uh, you know, in turn made me be a better person and made me um, understand that without that company, I, I really don't have anything. And, um, that's why, first and foremost, the fans are so important to Candlebox. I mean, um, they've funded three records now for us, um, which is amazing um, to be able to have, uh, you know, these, these uh, people who out of the goodness of their hearts throw 100 bucks at you or 25 bucks at you or $1,000 um, because we're an independent band. You know, we have an independent record deal with uh, a small label out of Chicago called Pavement Entertainment. Great guys. Great. It's a great family. But they don't have a lot of money. And um, so we have to rely on those fans. So I guess long story short, by me being the person that I am, I guess is why we still have the fans we have and why these people feel um, comfortable throwing money at us to, to make records. And in turn, why I feel responsible for the guys in my band um, and, and, and responsible for those fans to give them um, the best of what I have. No, I mean, it's, it's, clear and i mean from what you're saying that it is it's that you do have that 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 bond that actually it shows it shows what you're doing 
you know, and it's interesting, um, you know, with it when with the new single coming out and everything, and like you had said, this was originally supposed to come out in two years ago. Was that correct? No, no, it was supposed to come out September of last year, two of twenty twenty. Okay, so and that was held off because of the fact that album comes out, touring typically follows after. Yeah, especially when you're an independent artist, you can't, you know, you can't rely on um, radio, like, you know, the Foo Fighters releasing songs and radio will play the shit out of them. That doesn't happen with Candlebox, you know, so, um, and, you know, and, and, and I think that, you know, you, you made a, an interesting statement earlier is, is how many of those records that came out last year, for example, Seether um, released a record. Who's going to remember that record that's, uh, that's... from this fall, you know? Um, so, you know, it's really important uh, that you make those kinds of decisions as a band and as a team. Uh, to 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 release the record when people are going to be paying attention. Well, it makes a complete sense. I mean, you know, as a big Pearl Jam fan, Pearl Jam puts a gigaton last year. It's successful among its core fans and its hardcore fans, you know, but it's been a year since it's been out. The band hasn't toured in three years. Now they're supposed to follow up that album and they're going to have their hardcore fans going out, but it's hard to follow up something you put out a year and a half ago to kind of hit the road with it because... Those singles that first came out, well, they're not being played massively and they're not following through. So it's how do you, you know, put those and do that album out to follow through a touring? And I think that the decision you made to put that album out in September and have the single come out recently um, is, is smart. And it's, it's a smart thing because it seems like to me looking at things, especially today, I mean, my news feed today has been blown up with all of these um, music acts that I follow and that are basically planning their tours out starting in August and pushing them out through the end of the year. Um, and I think it's what you had said before. That's it's a great kind of idea. There's going to be a flood of musicians and artists that are going to hit the roads once things feel safe to them um, and, and to the areas are going to. And it seems like a lot of venues are starting to allow that starting the summer. So you know, it's interesting. In the same sense, too, I really think that the people that appreciate music like myself are going to look to people like you, like Candlebox, like Kevin, like yourself, that put out music that we, during this pandemic, that we could have turned to and it gave us that comfort and that kind of sense of like, hey, we can get away from things for a while by listening to music because music is that therapy. Um, yeah. You know, and it's it's kind of like we're getting back to that, and it's kind of like our thank you to those people. Because listen, in ten years time, when we look back at this pandemic, it's going to be the arts that got most of people through the ability of not just like losing their fucking mind. Honestly, I mean that's what it is. Because yeah, you know, music is a therapeutic release for a lot of people, and you know, it's 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 nuts to think that like that's what helped a lot of people get through this up this past year. Yeah, well, I think and the funny thing about you know that as well is is the passion that you're going to see the bands playing, the level at which they're going to be playing at, is going to be levels at which you haven't seen um, in years. Um, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. I, I remember when um, My Chemical Romance broke up, and I think Gerard Way said that, you know, he just felt like he was phoning it in. Um, and when he realized that that's what he was doing, he had to leave the band. And I think that what I've seen over the past few years with a lot of bands that we've played with, a lot of concerts and shows that we've we've been to, um, I've seen that with a lot of these bands. Um, you know, it's not that they that they don't care any you know uh, less about the audience. You just get really, really burned out playing songs. And the fact that none of us have been able to do this, um, what it is that we love and, and grew up dreaming about for so long, the, the level of musicianship and, and the concerts uh, and, and, and the energy you're going to see at these shows is going to be 
uh, I, I think um, second to none. It's going to be unbelievably brilliant. Um, you know, there are a lot of bands that can hide behind great light shows and stuff. Um, and then there are a lot of bands who rely on one light. And I think it's that I, neither of those are going to matter because um, the element of excitement for us to get out there and play these songs. Pearl Jam, for example, I mean, who always puts on an amazing show. Uh, I think you're going to see you're going to see them uh, up their game even, you know. It's going to be tough. I mean, they've upped their game for a while, but I can't wait. I just live music in general. I mean, God, I went from going to I don't know three, four shows a month to nothing, and it's you don't. And I didn't realize until it's one of those things. Once you realize you don't have it, is how much you didn't realize how much you appreciated it. You know, mm -hmm. like how much you appreciate that music that got you through things. Um, which kind of brings me to like the question I ask every musician that I have on the show: Do you remember that moment that you fell in love with music? Oh yeah. Yeah, um, I was three years old, and I, it was the first time I heard Kiss. Oh, yeah. Let me ask you this question about Kiss, because this has been brought up too. Because I and I've I've argued with people about this, so I'm curious where your stance is. Do you think that Kiss is one of the greatest American rock bands of all time? <laughs> yeah, I I, I do, um, and I think mainly. I mean, listen, great songs, great hooks, uh, the concept of putting on makeup and, you know, being theatrical and kabuki and, you know, and, and the elements of, of uh, you know, um, the geisha culture in, in kind of dressing things up to hide behind uh, what it, you know, maybe what their um, inabilities were or, or um, to hide those uh, or the abilities. I mean, this is a band who, I mean, I don't know, man, how many years are they going on? 50 years now? I oh, think God, it is. Or, it's or got to be. Like that. Uh, you know, to sustain that. And I and I went to see them when they got back together, I think, uh, in Seattle. Um, you know, every every Seattle rock musician was at the show. And, and I, I remember laughing. And my friend's like, what are you laughing about? I go, this is the most ridiculous shit <laughs> I've ever seen. And I can't believe when I was three years old, I thought this was the coolest fucking thing in the world. But at the same time, I, I was laughing because it's I probably felt like that three year old kid getting to see that band that changed his life and then realizing they're not that amazing. But this is really amazing. You know, yep. um, I guess it's like, you know, everybody telling you to see a certain movie and it's the greatest movie you've ever seen. And then you, you walk out, and you go, eh. you know, um, yes, I do think they're one of the greatest rock bands of all time. Um, I think they've written some amazing songs. Um, are they the greatest singers, musicians, you know, players? No, but um, I, I think that they're incredibly gifted and, and, um, and their creative talent um, supersedes, I think, uh, you know, a shit ton of bands um, that, that have released albums and, and sold as many copies. You're so true. You know, there was there's this like buildup of something I'm doing, and we're talking about the greatest American rock bands of all time, and the people that are involved in this. We've had that conversation, and I've said Kiss is like top ten greatest American rock band of all time for everything you said. It's the it, they've influenced so many bands too. So it's interesting um, that uh, it's just I don't know, man. It's just it's crazy, and it's crazy that they've broken up and gotten to back together as millions of times as they've had and been so successful with it, but. 
you know, and it's it's one of those things where like I don't know if you can meet somebody and play a Kiss song without them going, "That's Kiss," you know, like yeah. that's that is important. So yeah, no, it's true. You, you're absolutely right. And um, you know, we for disappearing airports, we have a song on there called Supernova, which we stole from "I Was Made for Loving You," um, which is one of my favorite Kiss songs. You know, I I actually prefer the disco era of, of Kiss, um, oh. mainly because. I think some of those grooves um, were were so so thick and and funky and you know I mean even the song Charisma off of Dynasty mm. by Gene Simmons I mean um, the 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 <laughs> the audacity to write that <laughs> song uh, I mean it's uh, it's brilliant and I think that that's what uh, they're not they're unapologetic man i mean mm-hmm. that's what i think every rock and roll band should be um you know i i i find it interesting you know if if we can talk about that for a second you know there there are bands out there that that i think have um have missed that um uh, if you know the, the term rock and roll is is there's nothing safe about it and it should be very very dangerous and that's what rock and roll is i grew up you know i was born in 1969 i grew up in the 70s um some of my favorite bands are, are punk bands um the clash is my all-time favorite uh, but real rock and roll to me it was always dangerous and and i've never i've always found it difficult um uh, to stomach when a band apologizes for something that you know they've done or or, um, you know, maybe they, you know, someone in their band did something stupid and they apologize for them. Um, you, you know, I, I don't I don't think that that's what um, rock and roll is supposed to be. And I think that artists in general should never apologize for their work. Um, uh, you know, if they've offended somebody, that's their job. And um, and if it's making you think about something, that's that's the artist's job. Um, art is supposed to be provocative. And I think that that's why Kiss um, will be considered one of the greatest rock and roll bands of all times is because they were very provocative. Um, Guns N' Roses, uh, as fucked up as those guys are, and as many times as they should have apologized, which they never should have, they never did. Um, and and um, I think that's what makes Guns N' Roses one of the greatest rock and roll bands of all time. Um, and, and that's what, um, I think that's kind of what, We've always, as a band, Candlebox. You know, I don't. I don't think of Candlebox as as, um, as its parts. It's always been a sum of. Uh, it's it's not a sum of its parts. It's always been its whole. And I think that's why we've been able to, to kind of um, make the records we make, and and move through the the uh, um, the music the way we have. Like a song like "My Weakness," for example, um, that was written by a friend of mine for me. Don Miggs is in a band called The Whole Damn Mess. And I asked him for something specifically because I'm a huge fan of his writing, and and I love what he I love what he uh, did with this song. Um, there was a bridge section in the song that I didn't like, and I took it out. And I said, "Hey, uh, I'm sending this to you for your approval. Uh, I want you to um, be okay with the fact that I I'm not crazy about the bridge." And he wrote me back and he said, "It didn't need the bridge. You're absolutely right." So um, I knew that. I could talk to him that way. And I knew that he would deliver something for me that I wanted that was going to allow me to push that envelope musically that I want to push. Um, I love Brian Adams. I love that eighties, big, epic, sappy rock and roll music. I don't think Brian Adams has ever written a bad song. 
And, and that's why Candlebox has always been unapologetic about what we've done. We've never sold more than a million records since the debut album. Uh, and we never will. Um, uh, and that's because we chose to go where we chose to go. Um, we weren't led um, or directed where we should be. And, you know, um, maybe that's our penance or maybe that's exactly what we were supposed to do. Maybe the people that have, you know, been on this ride with us for the past 29 years uh, were supposed to take this ride with us. And and if that's the case, then, you know, I won't apologize for a goddamn thing. I do. I totally fucking dig it. It's interesting you had mentioned, and I, I didn't think we were going to talk about this, but this is, I really, I like, the, I like your opinions about this. You talked about the Clash, and we talked about Kiss, and to me, when you know, one of the greatest American bands of all time, to me personally, was the Ramones because I feel like they basically defined and created a genre of music that was um, kind of just in little small things, and it, and bands like the Clash, you know, kind of came from that. Um, any thoughts on the Ramones being a top American band of all time? One of the greatest, one of my okay. all-time favorites. I have every single Ramones record uh, released, even you know the ones that people don't want to listen to. You know, like the ones that Dave Stewart from the Eurythmics produced, mm. um, which I think "Howlin' at the Moon" is one of the greatest songs ever. The hook and the melody in that song is ridiculous. Um, but the Ramones, you know, they they took that New York, um, the the dirt. Uh, the dirt beneath their feet and turned it into these amazing fucking pop songs um, that were played really, really fast and really, really terribly. And, um, but that's what made them so amazing. Yeah, sure. And, you know, I, uh, we've covered um, sedated in, you know, we like to mix songs in the middle of our own songs. And so we've, we've covered sedated uh, in the middle of sweet summertime. And it's one of my favorite moments of the song because when I was 10 years old, that song was on repeat, you know, on my record player. It would stop. I'd go back over and I'd put the needle back down at the beginning of that song and play that song over and over and over. It's one of the greatest rock and roll songs ever written. And and it's, you know, obviously it's one of the most well-known songs by the Ramones. Um, but I think that's what was so amazing about them was even their unknown or, you know, super you know, B-side tracks uh, were just as good as, as as their singles, as their number one, you know, I don't even know if they had a number one hit, but, you know, as, as their most popular songs. I, I, I've always loved the Ramones. Um, I've always prided myself on not owning a Ramones t-shirt um, because, you know, that would, that would mean that I, I, I would became one of the, one of the masses that, you know, um, that wears the shirt, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I, I just always felt like I can't wear a Ramon shirt because everybody has a Ramon shirt. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's like, and it's kind of like, it, it's like an American Eagle now. It's, it's, it is kind of, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, it was, those, that shirt idea is interesting. It's, I walked past American Eagle in the mall that is like Ramones or Nirvana. And uh, I think it was, I dude, it was a really random, I think it was a Pink Floyd shirt and these yeah. kids are wearing them and it's like, it's cool, but like, Let's talk like if you're wearing a Pink Floyd shirt. Let's talk about animals and I'm like what's animals? Yeah. I'm like, like I great record. I love that record. That's Fuck one it. of my favorite Pink Floyd records. Again, like you and I must be kindred spirits because it's that kind of it's the weird obscure albums, yeah, that, or songs that I love because 
not everybody loves him. And there's such great darkness in that, in that animals record. I mean, um, I don't know what the arguments Roger Waters and David Gilmore must've been having when that record was made, but they must've been just brilliant um, musical arguments because there's so much passion in that album. Uh, in those songs behind it's, the song. Well, it's a, it's five, it's five songs on an album where the, I think the shortest song, well, I guess the beginning and end. So really it's only three songs on the album because the, the, you exactly. have, the, yeah, it's like pigs on the wing part one, pigs on the wing two, but you get dogs, pigs, and then you have sheep and dogs is probably one of the greatest Pink Floyd songs ever written. In my opinion, that's my opinion. Yeah. No, um, I agree. But it's it's like it's but it's really like four songs in one. But yeah, dude, it's it's like you know talking about the Ramones, like end of a century to me, which is which people will like shit on me. I love that album. Like I do like those obscure things because it's when you listen to a band that you know when they're everyone like you know, and I'm going to talk about your your uh, your music in a minute. But when you when people listen to Candlebox, they're going to go back to those original like the go back to those original songs were popular, but they don't realize like there is five other albums leading up to the new one coming out. That would be the seventh album that is of amazing music. That's different. And it shows And what happens was those musicians that are putting up music after their hits are trying to keep you guys reeled in a little bit. So they're putting in, they're trying different things and you're going to get different things out of it. Give it a chance. And then you're going to find that, that animals you're going to find that, you know, rocket uh, to rocket to Russia or hell, you're going to find the end of a century. You're going to find all these albums that are just as good, if not better than the original albums, because you know, it's just, it, just because it's not on the radio doesn't mean it's not good. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's hard. You, you have to, I guess as a, as an artist um, and a musician, you have to realize that there, you know, there are the, I guess if there's the, if there's an analogy and I, and I, I would like to hope that this is the the right one to use. There are Coca-Cola people and then there are Pepsi people. And then there are, um, uh, barks root beer people, you know? Um, and I think the barks root beer people are, are pretty interesting. Um, because that's a, that's an acquired taste. You know, Coca-Cola and Pepsi, um, I, everybody loves those, you know, but Barks Root Beer is one of those ones where you, you see it and you're like, God, I could really have, I could go for a Barks right now. And then you finish it and you're like, that's pretty good. That's pretty good soda. Um, I think with, with music, you know, even like, um, let's talk about Pearl Jam for an example. I haven't liked a Pearl Jam record um, since Vitology. But um, there have been songs on uh, seven other records, 10 other records. There, there have been songs on those remaining uh, few albums up to the last record that I have absolutely been in love with. And so I will buy those records or listen to those records for those one or two songs in the hopes that I'm going to find something else in what you're mentioning in that album that I can attach myself to. Um, you know, of course, uh, Alive and, and Black and those songs by Pearl Jam are, you know, uh, going to go down in history. Some of the greatest songs, you know, rock and roll songs ever written, let alone their greatest songs. But <clears throat> bands that have a collection of material that the fans are willing to grow with and listen to and, and understand, 
if they're willing to go out and find those albums outside of those popular tracks, you're, you're absolutely right. They're going to find those diamonds in the, in the rough that are 10, 15 times better than far behind ever would be or uh, change or, or cover me or blossom for that example of, of the debut album from Candlebox. Um, and I honestly, I honestly believe that um, as a band, we've grown so much over the years, mu- musically, as well as, as, as personally um, that we've allowed ourselves never to be limited to uh, what it was that we understood to be our successes um, reaching for, uh, greatness or striving for greatness is what brings about that change and, and, and the opportunity of, of greatness. I think that's pretty well said. I don't even know how to fucking comment on that one. That's pretty hitting on the head, nail on the head. Um, you know, the one thing talking about just songs and music in general is like, I think as you know, you're the band Candlebox has been around for 31 years. Um, and they're been putting up music. This is the seventh album coming out in September of this year. I will <clears> say that like, you know, and I say this with art in general, everything has like a, something attached to it, like a memory attached to it. And I've interviewed people and I don't really have that, but there is a, like, I remember the first time I heard Candlebox. Like I remember it like distinctively. Like I remember the car I was in. I remember the time. I remember the location. It was the summer of, I guess it was 93. I don't remember the date, but I was in my father's Plymouth Blazer. If you remember what those cars <laughs> or those yeah. those blue cars with the headlights that would bounce up yep. and down. Yeah. And we were going to the Bronx Zoo and we were listening to music. And this was, my dad was, had me at a really young age. So he was like the, you know, the hip dad that had all the good music and tunes. And I remember when you came on the uh, K-Rock and he yeah. blasted the shit out of that. Like, so there I am. I was, I guess I must, I was what, eight at the time, right? It's 93, add the one, whatever, however I was, eight, nine. And he blasted the shit out of it. And there I am. And I'm like, and I was just like, and I remember like the windows going down a little, we had, back then you had to roll the window down and going through New York City to get to the Bronx Zoo. And this, and I'm like, I was just mesmerized. First of all, like the passion behind your voice, like the music that was coming through and like, that was just a moment that like, it just sticks in my head. I just remember looking at my dad and my dad was singing the fucking song. And there I am. And I'm like, I was like, wow, this is like, I just felt like I felt lot larger than life for that. Just that five minutes. We were listening to that song in New York city in the Plymouth blazer on the way to Bronx. And that song has stuck with me since. And it's, and it's just like, you know, like you had talked about the first time you heard Kiss and like how that brought music together. Like there's moments in my life that like certain songs like or bands really stuck with me. And that was a f- like that was a very important moment because not only was it just about Candlebox or that, but it was just like, like I guarantee you if I asked my dad, if we called my dad, he'd be like, I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. Like I don't remember that moment because it was just irrelevant to him. But like to <laughs> me, like that moment was important to me because it was just like, God, this is this is like a moment. And it was just like that that song it's latched on to like that. That's great. Yeah, I, I, I guarantee you, your dad would probably remember that. Um, you know, we <laughs> as fathers, I don't know if you have children, but um, I do. You know, yeah, you have those moments with your child where something comes on, and and you, and you do you share that moment of God, what a great song. And uh, you know, my son and I, we have we have several of those. Um, and, and a lot of them are embarrassing to him. Um, but, you know, for me, there's such great moments because I'll never forget him singing, you know, that song in the backseat or like the first time he heard me on the radio. And he was like, 
that's you. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, he's been to the shows. He's seen the audience. But I don't think they I don't think they ever really recognize, you know, maybe how famous somebody is until they experience like you being on television or 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 the radio. You know, um, it's a strange thing. And, and um and I'll always remember that moment with, you know, with Jasper. Uh, I've got several of those, you know, I, 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 I love the fact that music um, does that. And it, it, you know, Pete used to call it um, play the movie. You know, when you, when you hear a song, that movie will just start rolling in your head, you know, and you, and you see the four or the three, four, five, six at the top that counts down. And then the, you know, and then that, that reel of your life starts based on that song, you know, um, it, it's uh, it's pretty special. Yeah, I have my son who's 11, and then I have a daughter who just turned five. And my son's been, God, he, he's actually seen, we've been front row for Kiss. We've been, uh, we've seen, God, I've seen, we've seen a lot of shows together, and it is it is special. He is kind of growing out of that a little bit, but it, the good thing is, like, my daughter who just turned five is really getting into music right now. Like, she's on this huge David Bowie kick. So it's kind of like, as he's kind of growing into his own thing, and she's kind of growing into Bowie and enjoying that, I'm like, all right, well, I just, I'll just have to replace these concert moments with these ones, and we'll, we'll have all these ones as I grow, and... But right. no, yeah, it's, dude, I don't know, music is just, music is the most magical thing in the world. That's just my opinion. Yes, I agree. So let's talk about the new single, because we're going to play it here in just a moment. Um, I got to hear it for the first time last week, and it, I, I swear to God, I'm looking at this, I've listened to it like 27 times. Like I, <laughs> so I think, I think in streaming facet, I've given you 15 cents. Um, Thank you very much. You, you're very welcome. Um, but yeah, it's. I, dude, it, this is like a summer tune. Like I, when everyone hears this, when you listen to this song, this is like, I feel like you're either in a Jeep or a convertible. This is blasted at the top of your lung. This is like, I, this is good shit here. So I, you know what? Enough of me talking about it. How about we play it, Kevin? Let's play it. All right, here we go.
side because i listen to i listen to a lot of live music a little or a lot of new music this is easily in my top three favorite songs of the year so far oh thanks man thank you is i we have so just just to give you creditation so it doesn't like i'm blowing smoke up your ass there i do a show called anthony and rob's world tour we listen to music from all over the world put it together and we try to find unsigned artists and we listen to music everything Dude, I'm telling. I love that song. Like, I, I, I want to go buy a freaking Jeep right now and just drive up and down the road with. It just seems like. First, I have no hair. I wish I had your hair. But like the wind <laughs> blowing through your hair, like this is like I just visualize that moment. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, wind blowing you, your hair blowing in the wind, and then in your mouth and your throat, <laughs> and all that sort of thing as well. Uh, I think uh, you know it was one of one of the concerns I had with releasing the song right now was the fact that I felt that this was, you know, the summer of 69 kind of vibe, um, a Brian Adams song. And I, and I was like, I don't know if I want to um, take away from the opportunity of this being that summer track, but maybe it has, you know, legs long enough to reach, um, you know, uh, June, July, August. I, I don't know. I'm hoping that it does. I love this song a lot. When Don sent it to me, he had this young kid, that he was working on um, singing track and, um, and, he, and his kid had just an amazing voice. And I was like, God, I don't know how I'm going to, how I'm going to sound on this after hearing this kid sing it. Um, but of course my voice is, you know, my voice is mine. And, and, um, and it felt, it felt right in the pocket of the song. Uh, and, and I just felt so good singing this track. I really loved it so much that it made it so easy to sing. And that's, you know, one of the things that you, I guess, as a as a as a singer songwriter, you hope for is that um, those songs will lend themselves to you, and you will take them uh, and make them your own, uh, and 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 they never ask for them. You know, they never ask for themselves back, and and that's what I love about um, this song is that it it just feels like it's everybody's track, and it's a love song. You know, it's it's 
<clears throat> we all have those those people in our lives that um, have just you know they're they're you do anything for them you love them that much and 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 you and they are uh, you know they're your drug and and that's um, you know sometimes to the detriment of, of your own well being um, but um, yeah it's 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 a love song and uh, and and I'm I'm just I'm so happy people are liking it. It, it's yeah i mean a lot of people are commenting our, your voice gives me the chills vincent says love it from rhiannon hearts from terry amazing by vincent uh good stuff from paul i mean it goes on and on trey love it yeah good stuff but i do have a question for you a good a good comment came up great new song who is the best person named dave that kevin knows <laughs> that's my buddy david devona <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was I've been doing this for a while. That was an interesting uh, question to be asked. Yeah, he's a <laughs> he's a character man. He's he's one of those uh, Long Island boys that, um, that you know I don't think got enough love when he was a kid. I'm just kidding, <laughs> Dave. I love you, Dave. He's a good he's a good dude. Oh geez, no, it is. It's a really great album. I think it's a great starting point. That gets the. I mean, shit, we got. What September is what six months away? We got a while to go before the whole thing comes out. Are you planning on dropping any more singles leading up to that, or is this the only tease we're getting to the full album? No. Well, we when we released um, uh, "Let Me Down Easy" last year, we were the hopes was that we were going to release another follow up. Um, you know, like the, I guess uh, their teaser tracks. You know, like Kings of Leon released um, "Echoes" and "Bandit" and ten thousand or hundred thousand people or whatever it was called, but. Um, and that's just to, you know, get you ready for the record. So we were hoping that, that this would have happened in, um, December or, uh, uh, uh November of last year. It wasn't going to be my weakness. Uh, it would have been a, a little bit, um, darker song, but now it looks like we're going to, um, release something else. I would guess probably, uh, in May, um, since we're gearing up to, uh, to hit the road in August. So, uh, we'll, we'll certainly want you to have three tracks, you know, under your belt by the time we get out there, um, uh, because we'll be out prior to the record coming out, um, which is, you know, is in itself uh, fun and never fun. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we want to make sure that there's at least three songs out there um, for, for people to kind of be, you know, um, digesting before we, you know, vomit up the rest of the record on you. Yeah, the album's called Wolves. First of all, I dig the cover, that kind of like dripping black into the wolf, kind of like very dark. Um, it's interesting. The That's a Spanish artist. We found her. She's from Spain. Um, she had this. Uh, she had done this other drawing of wolves, and I fell in love with it, and I con- we contacted her and, and um, said we would love to have you uh, do the album cover. Yeah, it's 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 excellent. It really, sometimes less is more, and this just with the the white background, that cream background with the black image in the front, it just speaks like. And I love the 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 like the L is the actual like the leg. foot. It's great. Yeah, the leg. I don't know why I couldn't say freaking leg, but yeah, the leg. It was. It's it's the, hook, the, the paw, the the claw, yeah. the hook. yeah. I'll say every other word except leg. Um, God, um, it, it is absolutely amazing. Let there's a couple people with questions on here. I want to get to them because I don't want to ignore them. Um, Amy just posted, uh, "Thank you for 25 years of great music. Uh, what was your favorite show you ever played?" It's hard to say a favorite, but I would say Woodstock '94 was pretty spectacular. Um, you know, we were at the height of our career. Uh, we were out touring with Metallica. You know, when you're playing in front of 300,000 people, um, it's pretty mind bending. Um, but you know, there's 
did three shows in New York at the Roseland when the Rangers won the uh, Stanley Cup in 94, um, you know, touring with Rush. I mean, our first show with Rush in Pensacola in uh, 94 w- would be one of those, you know, greatest memories. Um, Madison Square Garden with Rush in 94. Uh, the Aerosmith dates in 98 because um, they're, some, you know, our favorite band. Um there's just just too many to count, really. Uh, Janice Janice Landing in in Florida is always a special show. So is the Culture Room in Florida. Um, the Texas shows, whenever we play San Antonio, which is where I grew up before I moved to Seattle, um, those shows are are really really um, special for me. So I I don't know if I can pick a favorite. Um, there are far too many to count, but th- that's a few. Woodstock '94. I know they're making a documentary about it right now. That's supposed to come out next year. I can't. That show, the fact that it was live streamed and the shit that was coming on TV and the amount of amazing things like Nine Inch Nails' performance in '94 was yeah. is something that is historic. But I mean, yeah. there were so many great acts that played '94 Woodstock that I got. I, it's it's amazing. It's just it's it's so like different because if you look at the Woodstock from the '60s to that and like how they're just kind of transparent to each other. It's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Well, I don't think the, the, even the 99 one, I don't think was, I don't think it had that strong of headliners. I mean, the, the one in 94 was Metallica, Aerosmith and the Chili or yeah, Metallica, Aerosmith, the Chili Peppers, Nine Inch Nails, Green Day. Um, I mean, the funny thing is, is we were the only band that played Woodstock 94 that had a record in the billboard top 10. Really? We were the only band. That's no nuts. other band had a record in the billboard top 10. Yeah, so here is the lineup, the top mainstreamers for 99. It was George Clinton, Jamiroquat, James Brown, Limp Biscuit, Insane Clown Prosy, Seven Dust, DMX, Show a Crow, The Tragically Hip, and Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, Rage is really the only one that's, you know, I mean, I, no, not to dis- discredit George Clinton and, and James Brown, absolutely two of the most, you know, brilliant musicians sure. ever. But Rage, in, in our genre... Uh, is really the, the strongest um, band in that whole category, you know, yeah. in, in that whole lineup. Yeah, I mean, to have Insane Clown Posse, George Clinton, and Rage Against the Machine on the same bill, I think you were asking for trouble. That's why that shit burnt to the ground. <laughs> that, that's just... that's a. That's or just, people were just pissed off because the show sucked. <laughs> oh, God, it was. It was brutal. It was brutal. Yeah, not like... 94 was special. I remember, because you had, I think if... If I remember correctly, you had to get the pay-per-view. If it was yeah, but I remember, but I I had God, I had like I recorded over one of my dad's movies, like on the V you remember you had to like if you had a VHS tape, you had to like put something in the notch and like tape over it so like you yep. can actually record on it. And I recorded yep. a bunch of performances on that. I got in trouble. I got grounded for like recording over one of his movies to record parts of Woodstock ninety four. So God, Woodstock ninety four, yeah. that was some good stuff back then. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Great mm. show. Let's see, let's continue up the list. Um, uh, how much writing and recording have you been doing from home and can we expect some more new music in which we were kind of reflected on already? No, I am not prolific. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, I have not been writing and recording. We we're doing, uh, we were start, we started doing this, um, covers record. We were doing, you know, we started out with for what it's worth by Buffalo Springfield and we're going to do queen and all these other songs. And, we couldn't get everybody on the same page to finish the track. So that's not happening. And now we're doing, we're doing um, lover boy, turn me loose um, for a friend um, for his 50th birthday. Um, 
because it's it's his Love Boys' favorite band, which I think is hilarious. And um, <laughs> but that's you know that's really the only thing we're doing. I'm I have guitars sitting all over this house. I mean, I you know there's my my J200 right there. It's it's gathering dust. Nice. Because I don't touch it. Um, <laughs> I'm just not that person. I don't. I make records when I'm ready to ready to make records. I don't sit around playing guitar and writing songs all day. I'm not Bob Dylan, and I and I and I'm, I kind of wish I was, um, but I'm not. I I'm uh, I'm I've just started um, you know gearing up to starting this podcast called uh, it's called Rock and Roll. Look it up. Um, but that's really the only thing I'm doing. I'm uh, I'm I'm honestly just a singer in a rock and roll band, and um, and sometimes a good songwriter, and that's about it. I'm gonna say something. That I agree with what you're saying, but I disagree with what you're saying. And let me let me tell you why. You said you're a, you're a writer, you're a, you know you're a singer, but you're in your rock and roll band. But it's bigger than that. I think that a lot of times musicians discredit what they're able to do, and this is just my opinion. That they're able to do. I mean, dude, you you know you you're an artist, and I think it's broader than that. I mean, you've done so much in your in the 31 years of Candlebox has been a band with the music you've put out and the the lives that you've affected with it. I think more than just being a musician and um and a songwriter at times is like you're an influencer. I think you influence a lot of people to be you know in a moment of time where you know they can be creative and stuff like that. People get creative around music. There's certain things I listen to that help me get to a next level. And yeah, dude, I I. I think think that like i said in the beginning of this episode like your music in general it's it's come clearly across the screen with people commenting has helped people out through that time so you know i think i think you're absolutely awesome first of all with especially saying that you uh, kiss is in one of the top uh, greatest rock and roll bands of all time finally someone who agrees with me so that give, that's credit due um but yeah man i at this time in the world, it's not the politicians. It's not none of those assholes that are doing these things. It's the art world that has got us through these last year. And that's that's why I think it's bigger than just singer, songwriter, musician. I think it's healer. Can we add that oh. to the heal, add, add that to the business card? Yeah. <laughs> healer. Healer. That's right. That's right. Next next time I see Candlebox live, I'm just going to yell it in the middle of the audience. I'm going to be like, what oh the God. fuck Please is wrong do. with that I'll guy? Just, I'll, I'll bust up laughing. Yeah, <laughs> big ass sign. Um, let's see what else is people saying. Everyone just loves the music, loves the new songs. Um, you guys should have been number one in your Happy Pills era. Oh, um, thank you. Come to Montreal, Metallica's oh, era. Us, yeah. Uh, it's the new Crocodile and Paramount one confirmed. Can't wait to see them at the new Crocodile and Paramount one confirmed. Um, yep, oh, we'll be there. That's it's not kind of sad though. Like I, it's their, I know I understand why they're moving it because of the the whole idea of, I guess real estate in Seattle is just absolutely yeah. ludicrous. But it's yeah. just the history. I don't know. There's mo like there's places that have that vibe with things. Like you mm -hmm. get a feeling out of it. I don't know. It's just it's just moving. It's sad. That's just you yeah. Know. CBGB's the same thing with New York. You know, Crocodile. I, I would put Crocodile in the same uh, category. You know, um, uh, a venue that launched. You know. M shit ton of careers um and certainly not the first venue in seattle um but one of the most influential and and most um uh i mean god i saw mad season there you know when mm. lane shut up an hour and a half late um you know um it's like the the memories in inside the crocodile uh for me you know they go back to to 1990 
1990, you know, 1991, uh, when, when I was finally, you know, old enough to go into a bar, um, you know, that there, the history of, of that club, um, you know, Seattle's weird. It's, I, I live in Los Angeles now and, and although it's raining today, it kind of feels like Seattle, but, um, that's why you can see the shadow on my face is kind of going bright and dark. Um, it's, uh, Seattle had this, it was a town called city and, um, and now it's become like this metropolis and it's, um, they're just sucking the life out of what made that city so beautiful with all these buildings and, and skyscrapers and apartment buildings. And I mean, it's, um, I mean, at least New York city, you know, stayed dirty. Um, Seattle's not even dirty anymore except for the homeless, uh, you know, situation up there. And, and that's not even that they're dirty. It's just, they're homeless, you know, yeah. um, it's really, it's very strange to go back there. Um, and to visit my family and go downtown. I, there's one of my favorite restaurants, uh, is in the, in at the market or it's in the market, Pike place market. It's called Matt's in the market. And, um, and it's really the only place that I recognize when I go down to Pike place market, you know, it, that's, that's really the only place in the city I recognize anymore. Um, Cause it's just so different now. Um, and the crocodile sitting, sitting on the corner of, of um, second and wall, um, you know, right across from, from, or down the street from the Moore theater. I'm sorry. Second in, um, oh, Jesus, I can't even remember the street now. Uh, uh, Stewart, second Stewart, somebody remind me. Um, but you know, right down the street from the Moore theater and mama's Mexican kitchen was down the corner from that. And then uh, the billiards place, uh, which was next to mama's that's the first place I met Eddie Vedder. And when he came to Seattle uh, back in uh, 1990 was this, this uh, upstairs billiards hall. It was next to mama's Mexican kitchen. All that stuff's gone. You know, mm. it's, it's all gone um, to make room for God knows what. You know? Well, so I went to Seattle for the first time two years ago and I went to go see um, the flight to Mars. It's a Mike McCready uh, like band. He yep. does it to raise money for uh, Crohn's and colitis uh, to, for, to help yep. raise money for that foundation. Cause he has Crohn's and, um, I couldn't believe like this. It was at that time when Showbox was either going to be shut down or it was going to be saved. And I was just blown out of my mind when I walked into the Showbox, which is this. I've, and I've been to a, thousands of concert venues. The Showbox is this most unique place with the, the mm-hmm. domed kind of ceilings and everything. And it's very, yeah, it's crazy. But it was amazing, like just how much shit they were trying to shut down that was historic. Like it was yeah. just, you know, Prince sold three nights out at the show box and played this small little, it, I don't know. It just blows my mind how people can overlook things sometimes for profit. And I understand people need to make money, but like there's some things in this world that need to be saved or generated because I don't know, there's just so much historic value in it and it's, it's precious that shit's just disappearing. Well, people don't, I think that in general, um, you know, when you, when it becomes political or financial, Music's the last thing on anybody's mind. I mean, it's, you know, it's a perfect example. That's what's going on in our schools. You know, music is, and the arts are the last thing that these educational systems or education systems uh, are thinking about. And it's first and foremost in everyone's day, daily. I mean, we, music is, someone's listening to music 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Everybody has it in their lives. Car horns, uh, it's music. It's a musical note. Um, all this stuff is is part of our daily lives. Even all these people that get in, you know, their cars and listen to the news, you know, or whatever. There's, you know, there's bound to be 
if you're listening to KCRW or, or, or NPR, there's going to be a musical break. Um, it's been, it's affected all our lives. Music has affected all our lives. Art has affected all our lives on a daily basis. We live in art, um, you know, architecture, um, our computers are art, our phones are art, um, music's attached to all of it, but it's the last thing on anybody's mind when it comes to preserving something. And it's really, really sad. And I, I, you know, I, I just, it bums me out, man, because my son, he doesn't have music in his school. Um, and he goes to a charter school, which you would assume, you know, would have a music class, would have a choir class, would have, they don't have any of it, you know? Um, and so he's not interested in music the way I was. I played in band, um, in second grade, I played French horn. The thing was bigger than me, you know? Um, but I played in, 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 in band up until seventh grade. And then I, you know, I was in choir from first grade until my senior year. I had a ton of electives. I was in drama. All these things created, you know, the person that you're looking at right now and the person that you're talking to. Um, and all of that is being sucked away from us and taken away from us. Uh, and all these kids that are growing up today are, are going to, you know, quite honestly miss everything that you and I have experienced. And I'm, I'm assuming, you know, we're years apart. I'm, I'm 51 about to turn 52. You're probably in your thirties. Um, but it's, you know, all of this stuff, uh, even over 20 years, uh, if that's the difference between our ages, um, you know, you've missed things. Um, and that's 100%. just really unfortunate. It's, it's just unfortunate. Well, you think about, you know, one thing I've mentioned, I keep mentioning the story up, but I think it's so important is like when I grew up, like I remember having to like the one thing that always sticks in mind, Rage Against the Machine, Battle of Los Angeles. I remember having to wait at Sam Goody's to get the album the day it released. I skipped school to go get it. And because I wanted to be the first person to have that tangible item to listen to it and get lost in the music. I yep. miss those sound parties that you'd go to where record stores would put a record on and then you would listen to the album with a bunch of people you had no idea who the hell they were to hear it for the first time. Because music really, and I know this as cheesy as it sounds, there's a love, there's like a love kind of. I don't know what the fuck word I'm looking for. There's like a love behind it. Like there's this passion behind music that like if you could feel that love with somebody else in the room that you have no idea about. It's, it's the music generating that and it's unique yeah. and it's just, you know, it's like, and listen, I, I appreciate musicians nowadays. Like I don't, I don't like shit on people for what they, for what they listen to. Like I still, I have a, a lot of respect for Billie Eilish who her and her brother recorded this entire album in their damn bedroom. And she won all these Grammys for, and, and you know, they're actually playing instruments and you yeah, have the loop and music, whatever case, but that's impressive to me that they're doing that they're creating. But mm -hmm. if it wasn't for them being homeschooled and their mother kind of like pushing music into their lives, I, they would have never had that. And sadly, yeah. you know, my kid who goes to my son who goes to public school, he was in private school for a while, but he goes to public school now. Like he goes to music class and he's like, yeah, we, we, they just told us to read a book. Like they're not like talking about anything like they yep. like you know even just talking about you know there's there's so much stuff that like they're missing out on like Mo i remember going to school listening to mozart and getting into that and having to pull from that and yeah it, it's a, it's a lost art of that whole like tangible album idea and the whole tangible of holding things and listening to it music's different now and yeah there's that rejuvenation of like vinyl where it's kind of collecting into a hobby and people are collecting it listening to it I don't know, man. I missed the whole idea of like, like, you know, there's a date, you go to the store, you get the album, you have no idea what you're going to get. And it's either going to be great or it's going to be terrible, but you're on this ride. 
And you're I gonna agree. It's crazy. I did that a lot. You know, I did those same listening parties in, in Seattle and it's, uh, I, I don't, I don't understand what the, um, I don't, I don't, it's so confusing to me why our government just feels like, you know, music and the arts need, should be cut from the education program. I mean, it, it's federally funded um, public schools. They're federally funded institutions. And, um, you know, teachers unions, I think, suck anyways, but unions in general suck. I mean, I'm in a musician's union. It does fuck all for me. Um, and it does fuck all for anybody that's in the music, music's, musicians union. Now, but if you're in the Actors Guild union or if you're in the Writers Guild union, you're protected, you know, 100,000%. Um, but, you know, the, these unions, these teachers unions and stuff, um, you know, keeping teachers away from, from getting kids back in school now. And, and um, you know, first of all, teachers should have been the first one of the first series of, of, of vac- uh, vaccinations um, this year. That would have been um, really smart. But somehow education again takes the back seat i don't understand um you know this the education system in the united states it hasn't changed since the 50s these are these are school books that um these kids are learning the same thing uh that my mother learned in high school um and my mom's 80 years old um so why have we not advanced as a society or here in the United States, I should say, I mean, of course, Sweden and Japan and, you know, the rest of the world seems to be um, understanding the importance of education and music and the arts. But this country of ours, it seems to give zero fucks about it. And it makes no sense to me because it's the foundation of everything you're trying to create. If you want to be technologically advanced uh, as a society, if you want the United States to, to, be able to compete with China or some of these other um, tech countries, India, for example, um, educate, make the education system at the same level, create an environment where these children can learn something um, and be inspired by something where they want to be creative. Uh, Instead, you're force feeding them history from books where the history is wrong. It's not true. Um, It's a a candy coated version of it. And it's really frustrating, man. It's, um, it bothers the shit out of me. And, and, and by the way, private schools are no fucking better. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can out here in Los Angeles, if you want to go take, put your kid in private school, it's $40,000 a year. USC as a college is $45,000 a year, but you're putting a kid in sixth and seventh and eighth grade into a private school. It's $40,000 a year where they're learning the same fucking thing. They're learning in a public school. It's just a safer environment. That's fucking ridiculous. It is. What, really, I mean, couldn't agree more. What, I, I how do we fix that? I fuck, fuck if I know it, the crazy this. So it's this. My son was in private school from kindergarten, pre-K all the way through last year. We were paying 18,000 a year for it. And then my daughter, yeah. it was who's a, who was in pre-K. That's an extra 11,000 because because yeah. pre-K costs that fucking much. Yeah. In the same school. And, you know, the reason I was doing it was I'm like, all right, well, it's just going to be it's going to be better. You know, there's absolutely there's nothing. It's just. I, I saw no change. I didn't see it was nothing different. The art program was a joke. And when me and my wife had the conversation, because once COVID hit, like I was expecting them to do like, oh, well, this is going to be a great thing. Nothing. It was thrown to the wolves. My kid was lost. It was and it was ridiculous. So like, let's just go to public school. And it's sad because I was hoping for I don't know, man. I don't know what the fuck I was hoping for. But public school is exactly the same thing as private school, except I'm not paying $30,000 a year 
for my kids to go do the exact same thing, except they're not wearing now they're not wearing a uniform. Um, yeah, it's it's insane because there's been studies out there that show that kids that are heavily involved in the educational process of arts and music succeed further in life because their mind is open because using different parts of their brain that gener yeah. generate the ideas of being able to, to function differently. Most kids that study with music or most kids that per, that actually paint with me or paint in between studying and process that will succeed further than those kids that are just pounded in the head consistently with just fact after fact after fact and nothing else is coming from just you know just because you do you're throwing a gym class into the middle of a week for a kid or you know that's not that's not fundamentally working for these kids nowadays no I, it's no. it's sad i mean and the, the, the shit's out there look at how music was back in the from the 60s all the way through the 90s when education had the arts program fully functionally put out there. Now look at it when it started being removed in the 2000s. And I'm not trying to get political, but when George Bush started removing the yeah. the arts program from it and those things started getting removed from funding. And then all those then our art teachers and music teachers started losing that funding for them to be able to teach those kids. Look what happened to what is out there now. It's just not the same. Your yeah. top musicians right now, your top sell grossing musician, Billie Eilish, what I keep bringing her up, was a homeschooled kid that her mother kept pushing music into her head. Yeah, it's uh, you're absolutely right. Like, you know, uh, um, I forget what they're called uh, when you have like shop class or woodworking, if there's a name for those. Um, they're not electives. There's another name for it. But Jet uh, yeah, something like that. Something My. Like that. My high school, when I moved to Seattle, so I moved to Seattle in uh, 1984, um, uh, the middle of my sophomore year, and or maybe it was 85. I can't remember. I always get confused because I'm old now. Um, but um, my school, uh, Mercer Island, was a very small school, but it had a great music program, an amazing art uh, program. My, my art teacher was Miss Hall, and she was brilliant. Um, uh, and then um, we had a shop class, and I, I did both um, uh, metal and wood. And, uh, it, it literally, when I, uh, when I left school, uh, I immediately started getting into building. I, be, I started working with a friend who had a, a, a construction company. He was a builder and I learned how to frame houses. Um, I was making extra money doing that. And then when I, when Candlebox uh, hit and I bought my first house in Seattle, I redid my kitchen with my best friend who was a builder. I built my kitchen with my best friend. I did the plans. I did the permits. I, I, we extended the kitchen out. I did it myself um, because of what I learned in shop class. And, you know, we don't get kids aren't getting these opportunities anymore. Um, even if it's just if it's let's say it's going to be coding and you and you have a whole network system that these kids have to take. They have to take as an elective. At least they're getting an education on on what you and I are utilizing right now, which is a computer having a conversation over a server that somebody created um, that allows us to have this conversation via you know all the shit that's going on in, in the in the in the air, um, this interwebs you know sort of thing is a joke. But if, if we're teaching our children this, it gives them a great opportunity. But this isn't something that is being offered to. Um, most kids in even the private schools. And it's really, really, um, it's a shame. And I, and I, and I don't know, um, I don't know if it's ever going to be uh, repaired or fixed. I don't know if there's a, if there's ever going to come along an education czar that, um, 
you know, that, that says, listen, you know, to whichever president it's going to be, uh, we need to restructure this entire education system. And it's going to take 10 years to do it, but we need to get the funding for it. We don't need any more tanks. We're not going to war with uh, Russia. Russia's not going to invade the United States. It's not going to happen. So let's build, stop building this, you know, defense program. We don't need them. We need to take care of our education system in this great country of ours um, to fix what's wrong with the, uh, the, the, the infrastructure of each city. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just disturbing, man. I, 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 you know, I wish that I was a, um, a professor and I had a degree and I would, you know, run for, you know, an education czar of, you know, for LAUSD and say, listen, this is, you know, we need to re restructure the system because it's not working. And, um, and we need to bring music back. And we need to take this funding. And, and, you know, parents, the school my son goes to, we make a donation to, um, it's a charter school. So it's, it's federally funded, but we make a donation of $27 a, 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 a quarter for the school for certain programs. Uh, and we found that these programs aren't being um, uh, implemented. So we've actually called the school and said, listen, we're not going to give you funding anymore because what you asked for, our son isn't getting. Hmm. And that's not what we signed up for. And you're a charter school. You you have federal funding and you have privatized funding. So what? where's the money going? It's it's a it's an absolutely great question because it's not just where you're it's where I'm in Virginia it's the same shit's happening and I know for a fact um in New Jersey where um we're doing some sort of live event in September where we're going to be actually raising money for a local uh school that at their arts program is shit and it's bad and these kids need it um it's everywhere it's just it's yeah. a sad situation but I don't, I don't think it's a simple answer. But in the same sense, too, um, if you do plan on running for president in 2024, you got my vote. Just put that out there. You talk about skeletons, bro. <laughs> listen, listen, let's be realistic. I'm not trying to piss anyone off. If the last president can get in office, fucking anybody can. Uh, it's true. Uh, it's, uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. You might you, you might lose some listeners over there. Uh, here's the thing, and I and I've gotten to this point in my life. Like I used to care. Like when I first started the show three years ago, under the it was used to be called Tap Time Live with Anthony. I used to drink a beer and talk to people, and I cared what people thought. And as I yeah. grew into this show, which is now the Touring Fan Live, I've realized like, listen, not everyone's gonna like me. Not everyone's gonna care about my opinions. Not 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 many people might like the guests I'm having on the show and their political opinions or whatever. It's real freaking simple in this world. And I, it's this simple. You don't got to bitch about it. You just go on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or Tic-Tac-Toe, whatever those damn things are called, and you just yeah. unsubscribe or unlike. And that's it. It's that simple. You don't yeah. have to move on. I, 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 it is what it is in this world. And yeah. um, But l let's get to the just and the meat of what this was. First of all, I, I've, dude, I can't thank you enough for today. This conversation <laughs> is... You know, anytime I get into an interview and still like as many shows I've done, I always get like, like, what are we going to talk about? And like, I don't like to over prepare for things. I like to just throw shit on the wall and see what sticks. And, um, dude, this has been an absolutely great conversation for my first afternoon interview I've ever done. So I thank you so much for your time. Um, but listen, if you're, if you're tuning in right now, you can definitely check out candleboxrocks.com. Um, you can check it out. They have the September 27th. You can actually pre-order the album um, with the new single, uh, My Weakness, which you heard on the show. Um, also, if you go to candleboxrocks.com and you go to their merch section, they 
have a plethora of merchandise you can purchase and will help continue to support the band. Um, as uh, Kevin spoke about in the beginning of the show, he is making sure that the band is taken care of during this time. So definitely you want to help support that. And there's some great options on the website. Also, here is a trick that I have learned recently. If you go to bed at nighttime, all you have to do is turn your phone on, go to iTunes or Spotify, click Candlebox and press shuffle and not even listen to it. And guess what? They get paid for every time they, that song gets played. Uh, so shuffle yeah, the please. shit out of your music, <laughs> play it out, help them out. Just listen, let's let's, let's just get them jammed up on the chart, get them paid. So shuffle them yeah. out. Um, Kevin, once again, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, if you're tuning in now and you haven't heard or you missed part of the show, you can listen to the show or watch the show completely after the, after this is done right here on the Touring Fan Lives Facebook page. Um, if you want to listen to the show tomorrow morning, this it will be on our podcast, anywhere podcasts are fine, Deezer, iTunes, Spotify, Google, all that stuff, and all of our previous interviews are on there. Uh, for more information about this show and all of our other shows, you can go to thetouringfanlive.com. Uh, keep an eye out. We are going to be having a big announcement coming over the next few weeks about um, an on live music festival it's coming out next week uh, next month about raising money for parkinson's so keep an eye out for that but until next time kevin martin thank you so much my pleasure anthony thanks for having me until next time i'm anthony that's kevin martin of candlebox go listen to his music buy his shit until next time thank you so much for tuning in to touring fan live 